0: Hi everybody. welcome to Read Watch Play. I'm James
1: I'm Corinne and I'm Justin.
0: And on this episode we are not going to be talking about the bloody chamber. We're changing things up a little bit because as you might have noticed from our abbreviated intro, Clio is again not available to join us. and we know that she really wanted to talk about the bloody chamber, so we're going to save that for a time when she's free to record. So instead we're going to be jumping right into our watch topic, which is going to be Shrek one and Shrek Two. With a bevy of directors in Shrek One, starting with Andrew Adamson and Vicky Jensen. Shrek Two, directed by Andrew Adamson, Kelly Ashbury, and Conrad Vernon.
2: I hate to say it, but don't you mean Shrekters? For fuck's sake! <laughs>
0: <laughs> a brief summary of the Shrek movies. Um, I guess I, I guess my first kind of question. So, a brief summary of the Shrek movies for anyone who hasn't seen them, because I feel like these things are just like ubiquitous in the the early two thousands, I mean these are, I guess for some context like meta context these are the first two of I want to say altogether five or six movies in the Shrek franchise I think we sat and figured this out at one point, um, but this like these these were a really big deal when when they came out so the the, the premise of Shrek is. It is a series of movies about Shrek the ogre and his talking donkey sidekick Donkey, um, who basically kind of go on a series of adventures. It's kind of a, a kind of a fairy tale mashup with kind of a series of just sort of all fairy tales sort of taking place in this one unified area, and with kind of the twist that the the hero to the stories is is an ogre rather than kind of your your standard Prince Charming and, you know, slight foreshadowing for, you know, Shrek 2, but, you know, the Prince Charming who is perhaps not who he always seemed. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's kind of that classic fairy tale spun on its head, um, putting kind of the traditional villains in sort of more of a, a heroic role and bit characters into more prominent positions um, with the usual heroes ending up taking more of a, more of a villainous, more of a villainous role. Um, and I, I've got to say, uh, to my, I don't know if it's just because like, this is the first time I've watched the Shrek movies as, as an adult, or if it's just because now that I've heard, you know, Mike Myers say it, I can't unsee it. Uh, films ultimately about class struggle. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> cause I, i've got to say i i really i don't know i 100 percent see it i'm on board um with that notion which is a little bit weird and it's something i want to get into later because it there's a lot going on kind of like i think there are a lot of things that like make a shrek movie as weird as that sounds and a lot of Things that seem like kind of core to the franchise that I think interact with each other in kind of interesting ways. Some some better than others. Uh, particularly things that were used, I'm going to say, with kind of a light touch in the first movie. Uh, that they really fucking quadruple down on for two. Um, and to my memory, go even further with three and beyond. Which I think we kind of agreed was roughly where they jumped the shark. Which is sort of why we decided to do one and two, right? Um I don't.
1: Rem- yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I don't remember
0: Shrek 3 or Shrek Forever After particularly well, but I do remember, even as a kid, thinking that 3 was certainly where it started to really be too much for even, like, me as a child. But that said, I don't have the best memory of this. I, I would say, Corinne, you were the one who kind of suggested the movies in, in the first place. Has it been less time since you've seen, like, 3 and 4? Do they end up holding up? Because I really... That's the big thing. I remember even as a kid thinking this was too much.
2: Uh, I've seen three and four once a piece uh, and sort of only with my mother who was the one watching them. (laughs) I never had any interest in watching three or four. My young self already knew how many sequels was too many sequels. So, uh...
0: Did anyone see the Puss in Boots spinoff?
1: I
2: didn't. I actually, I
1: mean, I've heard it's good. Like, it's Shrek 1, Shrek 2 level of quality, I guess. Um, but I never got around to watching it. Interesting.
2: That All of that being said, there are still some really great scenes from the later Shrek movies. I mean, like, plot-wise, they don't hold up, but some of the stuff that some of the, like, references and jokes that they were doing were still quality stuff.
0: I could see that. Like, I... Yeah, I... I don't really remember them, but I'd I'd buy that. That, you know, there's still, like, good gags or bits.
2: When we're we're done, everybody should look up the Snow White Immigrant Song scene. It's it's so good. It's so good.
0: I even think I remember that.
2: I mean, for the best, honestly, you get to experience it anew. (laughs) Yeah. It's a treasure. Interesting. All right. (laughs) Listeners, go look that
0: up. So, yeah, so I guess kind of the first thing I wanted to talk about before we got too far away from kind of the uh, yeah uh from that notion of like summarizing the shrek movies especially when we have more than one um i wanted to talk kind of briefly about like the elements that make a shrek movie because certainly watching these back to back and trying to remember what like other movies at the time were doing i feel like you know kind of that notion of fairy tales etc you've got sort of like traditionally villainous tropes you know applied to heroic characters and traditionally heroic tropes applied to types of characters that are usually villains or monsters. Um, But you know, it's also stuff like it very heavy on like montages or other pop culture references, which really, I, I thought there was, I remember pop culture references being like a big part of the series. I did not realize that they are relatively light in one. It's really two where they kick the fuck in. Um, yeah. And then, but like, you know, those montages set to licensed music. Um, a lot of things like that. Like I, that's one of the things that I really do remember about the Shrek movies is like it. I remember Shrek one effectively being a smash mouth music video. In fact, I think that there might've genuinely been a smash mouth music video featuring animation from Shrek.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure that I'm a believer
0: video. Yeah. So, like I remember that being like kind of central to the Shrek movies, and again, certainly they doubled down on that for two um are there are there other things that like to the two of you like really like make a Shrek movie beyond like that setting
1: and again central themes of class struggle i mean honestly to me, that is pretty much like the Shrek formula they 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 kind of i mean. I feel like caught lightning in a bottle with the the first one and the, the mashup of the setting, they had, the setting and characters they had created along with um, the like pop soundtrack, right? Cause it's not something, it wasn't just like the insertion of pop songs, although that did happen, that does happen a lot, but it's also the choice and re-recording of other pop songs. Um, then used where they want to put them in the movie. And it's like, it's it's really unique because I feel like that's not something we ever really saw again outside of this franchise.
0: Were all of them covers?
1: Not all of them, but they, they do, like, one or two of the songs that they chose in both of the movies were instead covers of the songs instead of the originals. Like, there's the, you know, the scene in the first one with the, early on with the, like, bad reputation fight scene and, like, obviously that's just bad reputation that's the studio recording but there's later where the um there's like a version of hallelujah that is a re-recording uh just for this movie and i think there's another song later and then there's another one or two examples in shrek 2
0: yeah i think the big one is for whatever reason in shrek 2 i always remember just that they use uh ever fallen in love by the buzzcocks and that's that was the big one i was like i it sounds a lot like the buzzcocks version but uh I wasn't. I wasn't sure if that was a cover. I just did a quick Google. It does seem that they use the original for that one. I think, um, but yeah. But for whatever reason, I, I think that that one just sticks out more to me because even like as a kid, I knew it was like surprising to hear a Buzzcocks song in a like a Shrek movie. But um, but yeah, it, you're, you're certainly right that it's primarily covers. At least those are the ones that I feel like stand out. You know, is there anything else? Like, what else? What else is a Shrek?
2: I mean, it's about love, guys. They're love stories. It's about like falling in love, and the later movies are about the compromises people have to, to make to maintain big relationships, especially when those big relationships are from, between two people who come from very different backgrounds.
0: Thus, class struggle.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, but through the lens of love, James. Yes, I don't, agree. Don't try to just roll up everything in a class struggle. It's an important integral part, but but also... Uh, Another big, important, separate part is love and maintaining relationships.
0: I'm just trying to say that the Shrek franchise is basically a film adaptation of Dust That's That's all I'm trying to say. That's the point I'm trying to make. (laughs) Uh,
2: You can make that after the spoiler break.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're getting my my page-by-page (laughs) walkthrough. Yeah, but... um, Actually, yeah. So speaking of the spoiler break, uh, is there anything else that we want to talk about before that?
2: I don't think that in 2017 there's any reason to hide Shrek 1 and 2 behind, you know, to try to dance around it too much further. Okay, that makes sense.
0: So uh, then we're going to take this opportunity to talk about what's going to be coming up next. Uh, We are going to be doing something a little bit different for the holidays since uh, we are all going home for them largely speaking, uh, that makes it really hard to record together. So we're going to do a couple of kind of very special episodes. Um, we haven't decided all the details for those yet, so we're not going to be getting into it too much, but uh, they're not going to involve a lot of, a lot of homework. So we're going to leave those largely as a surprise, but we're going to do two kind of special episodes in late December and early January, and that's going to be our next set, and we'll be announcing our following topic during those. Uh, unless we want to talk about it right now?
1: Uh, I mean, we have it settled. We
2: certainly could. I mean, I'm re- I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah? yeah? Do you want to do it? We might as well. Okay. Yeah, let just
0: your- Okay, so if anyone wants to get started for your your after after the holidays homework, you're going to get first topic break. of 2018. Yeah. Uh, first topic of 2018 is going to be meddling kids. Uh, a name so good we stole it from our first thing. We're going to be reading the book Meddling Kids by, oh, who wrote it? Edgar Cantero. Cantero. C-A-N-T-E-R-O. I do not know. Uh, we're reading Meddling Kids by Edgar. Uh, we are going to be watching season two of Stranger Things. Uh, I'd imagine that uh, at least some people listening watched Stranger Things with us before. So hopefully you're on board for jumping into season two. But that's going to be our watch. And our play is going to be Oxenfree by, uh, oh, I used to, it was like, Homeschool games, summer school games, something night school, night school. That's the name. <laughs> Some kind of school. Uh, yeah, uh, night school games. Um, yeah, so that's that's going to be our first topic of 2018, uh, and that will be starting, I think, sometime kind of like mid to late January, following our our special episodes for for the holiday season. And and with that, shall we shall we pierce the veil for spoilers for Shrek's one and two?
2: I think, I think we probably should.
0: Didn't let this boot-clad cat out of the bag, as they say. So, I, I guess the first thing I kind of wanted to say as far as these movies, I, in, in re-watching these, I discovered that I had very much mixed up what was in what movie. And I think the big reason why I couldn't remember what was in Shrek 2 was that I had taken about half of Shrek 2, and I thought that was part of Shrek 1. And I'd taken the other half of Shrek 2, and I thought that was in Shrek 3 which is why I was very confused. Um, so, so,
1: I mean, given that information, what did you think was Shrek 2?
0: I didn't know. I had no idea. I couldn't remember what <laughs> Shrek 2 was, which is why I was really surprised that, Corinne, you were like, no, like Shrek 2 is also a good one. I was like, is it? I don't remember it at all. Um, <laughs> but so the big thing, I guess, for me is that I... So I, that was realization number one, Realization number two was that Shrek one is a way tighter movie than, than I remembered it being because I had taken a bunch of garbage from Shrek two, not garbage, but frankly, some of the parts that I liked least about Shrek two and thought those were in Shrek one. Um, and yeah, I, I had forgotten that Shrek one is a really tight, just like, it's a very straightforward movie. Um, which I've got to say, I, I liked a lot. Um, I don't – it's very interesting because I think there are parts of Shrek 1 that don't necessarily hold up super well, but there are also parts that I think do. Um, One thing that I really liked about it is that, oh my god, it gets over the whole, like, misunderstanding that causes everything to fall apart even though they were, like, in love with each other the whole time. It gets over that so fast in, like, movie time. It's like in one scene, like, Shrek overhears Fiona, like, misunderstands what she's saying – immediately acts on that. She goes with Farquaad, and, like, in the next scene, Donkey fixes it all. And it's... Oh, my God. It's so nice, and it's such a... I don't know. It's... I I like that so much better than in Shrek 2, where the whole, like, mistaken identity, like, drives the plot for, like, maybe a quarter of the movie. It... Oh, my God. I I so much prefer just getting away... Like, getting out of that bit, because that was... I feel like that was in everything around that time period. Just that notion yeah. of like, oh, someone gets mixed up and then like no, they were actually in love the whole time and it was all a misunderstanding and you, the audience, know that and it's just painful to watch characters like misunderstand one another, but not in like a moving way, just kind of in a frustrating way, because you know that it's all gonna get worked out in the end and you just wanna get there. But
2: You know, honestly, I don't I still don't think we're over that. The one of the one of the shows that uh was on uh fairly recently in the past couple of years lost girl the entire premise of the show was based on nobody telling anybody what they were feeling or what was going on at any given moment yeah ever
1: that's right a lot of the show i mean i will say that's just like true of most like current major it network dramas bad.
2: it was it was it it was stand out in lost girl i guess that's fair because like yes i'm aware of how most network dramas work, justin i'm particularly pointing to a bad instance of it
1: Sure. I, I just mean it's it's further support for the point that it's really not gone. Because, like, it's it's CW drama, oh, like, like, go-to. Like, that's just...
2: Yeah, and honestly, I'm so tired of it. Like, movies and television, Hollywood and whatever the equivalent of Hollywood is for television, can we just stop? Can we just stop? Can we move on from this?
1: They really love dramatic irony, and there's one surefire way to make it happen.
2: It's not fucking dramatic irony. I mean, Shrek. it is, but it's bad dramatic irony. Right, it's was, like the worst version of dramatic irony. I
1: was suddenly questioning whether or not I had my irony definitions correct. Anyway,
2: I've experienced good dramatic irony. That's not it.
0: Yeah, so I, I've got to say I really liked that about Shrek One. Just it was it was a much tighter movie than I remember it being. It was, um, it it really moves from like. I don't know. I, I think that even, like, the reason why I thought there was more bloat in it was that, that there aren't really any scenes that aren't memorable. Um, it really moves from, like, good memorable scene to good memorable scene, just one right into the other. So I think it's the kind of thing where, in my head, I had assumed there was a bunch of other bullshit. And there there just isn't, really. Um, which was cool. It was uh, It was... It was fun to go back and see.
2: I think one of the other things that's... You know, interesting about rewatching Shrek uh, is that like a lot of those scenes you're you're saying are good, memorable scenes. And one of the things that I I get from rewatching it is the memory of how much that scene, like how well that scene landed the first time I saw it. Like I'm never going to get to experience Shrek, you know, from a blank slate ever again. But I can remember how fucking cool, like. All those jokes were, and all the clever humor, and like, I think, I think Shrek, like, it, it set a precedent that, you know, that you know, at this point, we're all kind of used to, that kind of sense of humor. Like, we we live in a post Shrek world. Like, we get it, you know, but I don't think that. I'm sorry, I'm trying to talk seriously about this, but I did just say post-Shrek world. Yep, yeah, uh-huh. But I'm not wrong, okay? Yep. I'm not wrong. No, you, you are not. Shrek, like, blew the lid off of what an animated movie could be. And it, it was incredible when it first came out. It was, like, you had, do you guys remember when Shrek came out? And, like, it was everywhere. Everywhere. Everything was Shrek. The entire world turned green for a year.
1: Uh, I mean, listen, Shrek's popularity was so, like, huge and long-lasting that in the last year or two, we had Shrek the musical on Broadway. Like,
2: yeah, I, I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like there's this instinct to kind of be like, aha, yeah, you know, Shrek, like, you know, good memories, but, like, you know, not... Not a whole lot of value there, but Shrek changed the animation industry, honestly. That's my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I could see that. I, I will say that, on the whole, even, like, taking, like, Shrek at its best, I find myself tending to prefer Disney and Pixar stuff. It's... It, rewatching it also kind of reminded me a lot of, like, yeah, like, I... Like I do like this and I do remember how much I used to like it. And it was part of why I wasn't sure whether like how much to trust my reaction to it now is that like, it's, I had a hard time finding it particularly funny because I remembered a lot of the jokes from watching the movies a lot when I was a kid. And I had a harder time having that, like that like sense memory of how much I had enjoyed it as a kid. I just remember like probably being really annoying and like quoting it a lot. Um, You know, which, you know, one of those things where I, in hindsight, wow, my parents were saints. But, um, yeah, but still, it's the kind of thing where I was finding myself, though, feeling like, at the end of all that, I could absolutely appreciate, like, the effects that it had on other things. But also finding myself sort of returning to that notion of, like, yeah, but this isn't necessarily, at the end of the day, uh, the one that sticks with me, like, kind of, like, Deep down in your heart in that same way that like Toy Story does um but yeah no it was it was definitely a very interesting reminder of like how how much that movie really did have an effect on everything else. one thing that I thought was really interesting was um kind of speaking of toy Story uh watching the just the I feel like there was a huge leap in the animation between one and two uh
1: for for Shrek.
2: Yeah, between one and two, they, like, figured out people. Exactly.
1: Yeah, like, we, we we talked about this. Like, we watched one, it was like, man, like, I forgot just how rough this is. And then we watched two, and it was like, like, one doesn't, like, hold up super well, right? Like, I remember thinking it was good at the time, and it was, you know, fine animation, whatever. I mean, I was ten, so, like, you know, take that as you will.
2: Shrek looked fucking awesome when it came out. I remember. I remember being like, this looks Amazing.
1: But then, like, we watch it now, and it's just like,
2: well, oh, okay, maybe not
1: quite. Uh, but then Shrek 2, I was like, yeah, all of this is really clean, really smooth. They, like, figured out the finer detail that they need to get in. Like, it was just, like, solid.
0: I, I feel like one thing that's even kind of worth pointing out is, you know, Corinne, to your, to your statement, Shrek looked really good when it came out. I think one thing that's kind of like a, a slightly different interpretation of that is specifically Shrek, the character Shrek, I think looked really good in, in Shrek. It really feels like, and I think that even most of the fairy tale creatures I thought still like held up pretty solid. It's really just like the human beings who are like McDonald's action figures.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean like it's, I'm, I'm sure that my friend Sonny could go into a much more detailed explanation of this than me, but, uh, I have to assume it's easier to do, uh, it's easier for all of the problems with rendering, like, human skin in that era that makes Shrek, who is, you know, an, an ogre, and, you know, we might expect his skin to not look like human skin. So he looks really good, but humans who were actually expecting to have human skin... That was a weird sentence. The humans who were actually expecting to have human skin look really weird. Yeah,
0: no, I, I'm i sure that you're exactly right. Um, and, you know, and it's stuff like you go back and you can, like, read interviews with, like, John Lasseter and kind of early Pixar stuff, and that that was some of why they opted to do Toy Story the way they did. Because it's like, well, we can animate people, but they end up looking like toys. Well, what if we just did the whole movie about toys and solve that problem? Um, You know, it turns out that works really well. And I gotta say, I as as much as we can go back and say, like, yeah, you know, the people are rough in, in the first Shrek movie, props to DreamWorks for still saying, oh, yeah, okay, so our people aren't aren't amazing because you know that they knew right like it it still looked like good for the time but they're not sitting there just being like oh photorealism."
1: but and then <laughs> or i mean i just like that image of them just sitting there watching the final cut and be like uh oh, yeah exactly it's, it's so perfect but
0: and yet they still opted to have large segments of the movie with a lot of people in it you know they they didn't say like oh, well, you know, we let's not have him ever go to Duloc because we're going to have to put a lot of people in Duloc. And, you know, there aren't, like, any people on the streets, but there are a lot of people in, like the, like, the castle grounds during, like, the big, like, brawl scene. Like, it's certainly... And there's, like, hunters and stuff all throughout the movie. It's... They don't shy away from putting people in. They don't, like... It, there's no, like... Like uh, oh god, what was what was the? Um, I'm thinking of a specific one. It in the in the Batman Arkham games, where they always have to come up with some reason why there aren't just people walking around. Um, and specifically, the one that wasn't done by Rocksteady. What was it? Um, where it's just oh, it's because it's Christmas and they're all inside. Like it, like it. It's really a stretch to start making the argument that this is why there aren't just like civilians walking around and why if you see a person you can beat the shit out of them um but like you know it's stuff like that where they didn't like go and come up with like a bunch of excuses to not put people in the movie they still did it and i think that that was the right call you know
2: i don't know which game that is
1: i think that's arkham Origins.
0: yes that's what it's called it, it's arkham subject but it, origins is the word i was missing yeah that's correct yeah but yeah so i i've got to say like props to dreamworks for sitting there just being like no, like this is this is still good. You know, we're we're still going to do this. It doesn't weaken the movie and I don't think it does.
2: So we've talked a lot about Shrek One. Yeah. Let's talk about Shrek Two. Let's which I'll I'll open by saying, uh I think Shrek Two is a fantastic sequel. I remember when I was younger hearing they were making a second one and being like, Oh, really? Like are they really gonna do that? Like
1: judgmental 13-year-old career. I, I mean,
2: even at that age, I understood that, you know, movies making cat or studios making cash-grab sequels tended to yield bad sequels. Yeah, no, that's... I had a pretty fair grasp of that concept. Um, but to my surprise and delight, I mean, if you have to make a sequel, I think that DreamWorks made a really, really good one. Um, it was different, uh, I guess, I'll say tonally from the first one. There's a lot more going on uh they changed the formula up a bit they added at least 500 percent more pop culture references
0: which i've got to say going back i feel like was maybe maybe one to two hundred percentage points too much and i not necessarily for everyone but at least for me
1: i i think i honestly definitely appreciated all of them but it's it's one of those things where i was just like I I just buy into it wholesale. It's like, okay, this is this is going to be a bevy of pop culture references, and I'm here for it.
2: Yeah, I was on board with the the pop culture references too. I mean, when did when did Shrek one versus Shrek two like come out? Uh, I think 2001, 2004.
1: Yeah, that is okay.
2: Yeah, so Shrek Shrek one came out I think kind of while all of these other movies that two then referenced were coming out. So like Shrek one couldn't have made the, the matrix reference. It couldn't have made the Spider-Man reference. It couldn't have made.
1: Well, Shrek one had the matrix reference. Yeah. in the Robin Hood scene.
2: You're right. Shrek one did have the matrix reference.
1: Shrek one came out like,
2: see, there's so many references right
1: after yeah, yeah, yeah. like matrix was 99 or 2000 and Shrek one was. Uh, doing... yeah, yeah. yeah, You're right.
2: Uh, but the Spider-Man reference, the
1: yeah. to to your point, to my point, uh, a lot of those references were, in fact, between the years 2001 and 2004.
2: Very topical.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: how do you think those aged?
2: I mean, it was a lot of really iconic scenes. Like, Justin and I were able to... I mean, I feel like we probably picked out all of them.
1: Yeah, and I think we... The thing we named... Yeah, we were going through it and basically, yep, that's that movie. Yeah, like that's, good that's, that drinking game. that's that one. Yeah, it would. All right, we'll watch Trick 2 again.
2: Maybe next in year. In a, in a year. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, and, and that's the thing that I think that does it so well, right? It's not references to things that were super, super popular at the time that managed to kind of, like, fade into obscurity and something. They managed to, to reference, like, things that are now, 13 years later, still iconic enough to be easily recognized. Which like it's really I,
2: impressive. Yeah, like
1: kind of point to their credit, right?
2: Maybe Shrek movies predict what the enduring like pop culture phenomena of the time will be. Maybe it's like some kind of weird magic.
0: So what did you think of just like the, the pacing of the movie? Because I, I will say I guess my my very broad response was that I I think at the end of the day I prefer Shrek one to Shrek two, and I feel like Shrek two's got a lot of bloat. And in some areas, I think that it's good because it makes it more, like, nuanced and interesting. You've got more plot lines going on. You've got better, like, motivation for other characters. Like, Farquaad's not really a character. He's just a bad guy. Like, it, there's... Yeah. there's You've got more onions in Shrek 2. Well, I'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> like, it, the king ends up having, like, a whole arc unto himself and stuff like that. And I think that that all... Like, I think that a lot of that is good. But I also think that, like you go through, like, the entirety of the plot to Shrek 1 and then still have, like, two-thirds of a movie left in Shrek 2, I feel like, which I have kind of mixed feelings about. Um, And it's not because I don't like complicated movies that I don't think, like, movies aimed at kids should be complicated, anything like that. Just for whatever reason for me, a lot of it feels just, like, kind of a lot. Like, the whole sequence at, like, the Fairy Godmother's factory, for whatever reason, feels, like, just very much extra to me and i i don't know why like it doesn't feel as iconic as like a lot of those sequences in trek one were where it's like they're both an hour and a half long but i feel like i really remembered every scene in that hour and a half of the first one whereas the second one felt like it had things that didn't i don't know they just didn't resonate with me as much i don't know that i could even like put my finger on why so maybe it's I don't know. Maybe it's not a very thoughtful response, but for whatever reason, it just feels like they feel like extra in the sequel.
2: I think I'm inclined to agree. The The sequel has a weird pace to it. I won't argue that point. And I think what... I think when I say that I, that Shrek 2 like, somehow managed to be amazing, in my opinion, I don't mean like as a movie, I mean as a sequel to a popular animated movie. Uh, I think I think it blew away my expectations, but it's still not, like, a great film. But the, a lot of the stuff that it does from a world-building and, like, creative perspective was really, really cool. Um, just the whole idea of having a kingdom modeled after, like, L.A. and Hollywood and... Uh, The, that meeting point of like fantasy and um, the meeting point of like fantasy and, and that sort of like modern, modern thing, but not in a way that we had seen before. I don't know. I I think it, it just did things that we hadn't seen before. And I thought that was really, really cool. But I will agree that the pacing is a bit bizarre.
0: And I will agree that the world building is really good. I I completely agree with that. I think that's absolutely where, where Shrek 2 shines.
1: I think, uh, like, a very specific thing that I think I can point to is, and, I mean, obviously these movies are the Shrek movies, and Shrek is the main character and all that, but we spend, once we hit the point where Shrek and Fiona are separated in Shrek 2, we spend the vast majority of our time with Shrek, and I think we miss stuff like, with Fiona that would have made the, the driving force of, like, the, the final act better. Because there's this whole thing where it's, like, Fiona ends up with Charming, who's pretending to be Shrek, and it you don't believe on the face of it that she would ever actually believe that. But we don't see anything. Like, we basically don't see Fiona being stuck with Prince Charming, until we get to the end sequence when Shrek is about to show up there.
2: Yeah, and Fiona I feel like is a
1: okay. she's
2: really passive character in this movie. Which I think is not to the movie's credit.
1: Yeah. It, it would have been, I think it would have been a lot more interesting if we got less of mopey Shrek. Uh, and more of Fiona, like, dealing with the fact that she knew Charming wasn't Shrek. But she didn't know what was going on and, like, trying to deal with that.
2: Also, less talking animal sidekick. As much as I love Puss in Boots and Antonio Banderas' performance was incredible, let's be clear. Um, I, I think it was a bit too much to to bring in this new character and then give them so much screen time to establish a comedic rhythm.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I think even like the the extension of that is in the in the third act when all of the animal friends who are on screen for, like, I'm going to say about 60 seconds in the first one, like, all come in to help save the day, and we get, like, the Mission Impossible sequence. And just, like, I don't know. The point at which, like, suddenly we care about the gingerbread man and Pinocchio and the wolf and the three little pigs and, like, the three blind mice and just... I think even, like, that is a little bit much. It's one of the things that, like, again, looking back, I that's that's honestly the stuff that I thought was in the first one. All of that just, like, extra stuff pulling in, like, all these other characters. And it was like, yeah, no. And it's part of what, again, in hindsight, I'm liking a lot about the first one is that the first one is a movie about Shrek, Fiona, and Donkey. Like, Farquaad is not really a character. He's just kind of there as, like, a, an inciting force. And Dragon's not really a character. And she's a handful of things, but not quite a character. Like, but at the end of the day, it's a movie about, like, three characters on, like, a trip together
2: oh my God, it's a road
0: trip movie. It is. Yeah. 100%. Shrek is a road trip. Oh no. And which I think is part of what makes two kind of interesting is that two has a road trip sequence, a really long one by all accounts. And we just zip through it. And instead of like getting like character development, it's just donkey being annoying, which is all fine because it chooses to then focus on the destination rather than the journey. And that's okay. There's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it keeps it from being, like, the same Completely ranges. agree. Exactly. Um, so I think it's ultimately a good thing. But it is that kind of thing, though, where it having all of those extra characters at the destination does kind of take away from what I think at the end of the day. I, I'm finding myself liking a lot more about the original, which is that because it's just Shrek and Donkey walking for the first half of the movie... And then it is Shrek and Donkey and Fiona walking for the second half of the movie. We get a lot of time with like that handful of characters, and at the end of the day, those are the characters that like you care about like it the three blind mice are funny, but they 're a gag right so like when they come back and it 's like, oh shit everybody pinocchio 's back i was like i don't i don 't care but so yeah, kind of I feel like a, a similar thing to that notion of like too many sidekicks um, they just didn 't land for me
2: they got too far, far away from Shrek's living room in, uh, in, in... A couple in hours? A couple hours, I guess. Like, we know that, we know that this whole sequence took place in exactly one day, because we, we were given that time frame, and, uh, from Shrek and Donkey getting, and Puss and Boots getting arrested at, like, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon, to, you know, presumably, like... 7 o'clock when the ball starts, they had crossed the entire vast distance that we spent the entire opening sequence of the movie covering.
0: And for whatever reason, like, that's super boring for Donkey, but he was fine with, like, the several-day trek from Duloc to Fiona's castle and back again?
2: Maybe the whole trip really was just, like, two hours. <laughs> that would be funny. And they
0: just, like, <laughs> camp all the time.
2: Did Did the signs actually say, like... Did did the sign say mile counts. Did it but did it actually say the word mile? Because it could have been two hundred of anything.
1: No, it definitely said miles. Okay. It was it, the first sign we see is seven hundred miles.
2: I just wanted to be sure miles, because no it miles. would have been actually pretty clever if they had just said like far far away, seven hundred and then just kinda like left it there. <laughs> you are seven hundred minutes away from far far away. It's a bit of a trek, but you know. You get there.
0: But, but yeah, so it was, it was stuff like that where it was like,
2: it, it, it's
0: nothing that I can like really put my finger on as like bad, I guess, but it, it was stuff where it was like, yeah, you know, it, it was a, it was a neat addition, but it wasn't, it wasn't my favorite, you know?
2: I think I'm going to say, given what we just talked about, it felt like the second one was a lot less thought through.
0: I'd agree with that. Like,
2: like in the first movie, it felt like, it felt like. It felt like each scene... It felt like they were building uh, each scene to be able to set up something in a later scene. In the second movie, it felt like they got to a point in a scene and then they were like, ah, shit, how do we explain this? And they went back and did something for it.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's maybe even a little bit why I felt like the... I, it makes me wonder if that's sort of why I felt like there were maybe too many pop culture references and if you know some of those scenes felt like they were vehicles for the references as opposed to vehicles for story beats. Um, yeah. I, again, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's that I, I'm finding more and more that I really enjoyed the tightness of the first one that the second one just doesn't have. And that's not inherently a bad thing. It's just apparently that's something I liked a lot about the first
1: one that I didn't know until now. To talk about it that way, it makes me think of um, like the first Shrek movie is really a movie where they they created a fairly... Like solid, streamlined, and simple plot that worked well, and then they were able to then fill that with like meaningful character interaction, right? And this is a movie where I feel like they created this cast of new characters and did a lot of work to like flesh out their motivations and like create these like you know not not just caricatures. I would I, they're not exactly deep characters, but they're not Farquaad, right? And and I think they did all this work trying to, like, create the menacing fairy godmother and the, like, you know, Prince Charming, whatever we call him, the, like, coddled, spoiled son, right? Uh, and the king and queen and, that, and all that stuff. And they they did a lot to, to create those ex- very exact characters that they wanted to slot into this. And I feel like the plot almost suffered as a result.
0: I think that's true, but that said, I do think they did a really good job making those characters. Um, yeah, to their credit. Yeah, like, I, I think all the new characters that they do introduce into feel more fleshed out than the side characters in one did. Um, again, exactly like you said, like, they're not, they're not Farquad. you know, it's, Farquad is not a character, but the king has, like, an actual story arc. Um, like, it feels like, I don't know, it. I did like a lot of that about it. I think that they did a really good job with the characters. I think that's probably part of what like let the franchise keep going is maybe they did just sort of have that shift towards focusing on the characters and the characters can sustain it uh, relatively well. But, but yeah, I, I think I, I think at the end of the day, that's about where I would land as well. Yeah. It feels like the focus shifted to like fleshing out the cast, fleshing out the setting. And I think they did a great job with that. Um, and it's super dense with like little references and gags and things like that. And just like all the signs have like something funny and far, far away. Um, and Corinne, like what you were saying earlier with that notion of like blending um, like LA with like a fantasy thing is, it was a really clever idea
1: that we were talking about it. I don't think we've ever really seen that otherwise. Like the idea of blending, like that idea of a city. Like, I feel like they're, I mean, I guess really any modern idea of a city being, like, blended with fantasy is not really a thing that I think of as happening very often or at all outside of Shrek. Like, there's urban fantasy, which is fantasy that takes place in a modern setting, but, like, superimposing medieval fantasy concepts onto, like, a modern city.
0: Like, pretty much the one time. Yeah, like, I... If someone else did it, do you think you'd just... Would your instinct be like, oh yeah, like they're kinda doing a Shrek thing? Like do you think that it would be just that like it, it feels so connected to this one franchise that it's hard for someone else to do it? Like this one just kinda nailed it.
2: I, I don't think I don't think in the in the wealth of material that comes from the juxtaposition of Hollywood LA and a fantasy kingdom uh, I don't think we could. It's fair to say Shrek 2 tapped out all of that potential. Yeah, but I certainly think that if I saw that now, I I know where the inspiration came from.
0: I wonder if it was. I wonder if that's even kind of some of it that there's still potential there, but maybe it would have. I guess my my next guess would be that Shrek was just such a big thing that it would be hard to do something like that kind of in the wake of Shrek without just sort of being labeled as like a Shrek ripoff or wannabe. And that, you know, even though there is more potential there, maybe it just kind of needs some distance. Maybe the time is ripe for a a modern city slash fantasy mashup that will no longer just be pointed to as, oh yeah, they're just trying to rip off Shrek.
2: You know, honestly, I think that uh I think that uh if if our listeners were so inclined to send us angry emails, we might be getting angry emails after this, saying like, "There's all these other stories that have done something like this." Oh, I'm sure. It feels impossible that that there aren't stories like that out there, but I I haven't encountered them, and certainly not in mass media.
0: Yeah, and I mean, certainly things like uh, something like Zootopia is you know it's clearly like a, a whole different thing, but that idea of sort of that kind of mixing of cities, but that's not even necessarily a new thing. Um, but yeah. As we, as we approach the end of our, our allotted time, um, do we want to talk briefly about class struggle?
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll leave the rest yeah. of the time to you to talk about class struggle. Uh,
0: Cause I gotta say, I first time I, I read the Mike Myers quote of him saying that he wanted to re-record all of his dialogue for the first Trek because he felt the film was inherently about class struggle and therefore Shrek should have a Scottish accent. Uh, and that apparently this was after, if not all, at least much of his dialogue was recorded and in the can. And he wanted to go back and redo all of it. Uh, which cost, my
1: understanding is it cost DreamWorks a lot of money. Yeah. We went over all of this. It was, uh, cause we were talking about it with, uh, with our roommate who knew all of this already and brought it up while we were watching the movie. Um, It was after all of his audio had been recorded. um, And he was the one, yeah, who went back to the studio and said, I want to re-record it in a Scottish accent. And they did a test reel and they were like, honestly, this is perfect. You're right. And they re-recorded all the audio. The director, or no, the producer from DreamWorks um, said later in an interview that it ended up costing them about $4 million uh, added onto the budget and that it was the best $4 million he can imagine ever spending. And honestly,
0: I see it. Um, I mean, like, A, I feel like that voice just feels very much like the character. Maybe it's because I don't know whatever voice he did originally, but still, um, I I will also say that I, especially as a child, did not, and, you know, questionably as an American who's not, like, embroiled in notions of what it is to be Scottish versus English, um, have that same kind of connection to like notions of class struggle tied to that accent that said wanting to it i think that identifying that as like a key theme to the movie is i i I think ultimately spot on um and it's goofy little things like uh you know even like from the beginning kind of like like, living in a swamp, like, as an ogre, etc. But then, like, getting to the point where, like, when he's fighting all the knights and, like, it turns into, like, a wrestling match. Like, stuff that, you know, seen, like, traditionally seen as, like, kind of, quote-unquote, like, lowbrow culture kind of stuff. Um, Like, he doesn't have a steed, he has a donkey. Um, Things like that. And that ultimately, as it goes, it feels like a lot of the, the difficulty that is sort of being set up for Fiona is kind of this choice between you know, someone who is very, like, you know, high-class, high-cultured, like her family, you know, or Farquaad in the first one, her family in the second, and Charming, um, versus, you know, Shrek, kind of the more sort of lowbrow kind of guy. It I, I see where it's all coming from and how it, like, permeates the movie, and I think at the end of the day, it ends up being, like, a really interesting lens. The thing, though, that I have a really hard time with is that... That at the same time as the whole notion of like the twisted fairy tale of just like, oh, like the, the ogre who is normally the villain is the hero. And then like all of the weird sort of baggage that comes with an ogre. But then mapping that on to like people who like pro wrestling makes me, I was like, I don't, I feel like it's all there. But I'm not sure that all of these things play nicely together the way that someone thinks they do. Like, that was my big takeaway. It was like, I oof, I feel like I can see, like, three different directions you're trying to go. And I like each of them individually, but I'm not sure how I feel about all of them in the same film. Um, I don't know that anyone's trying to make a big statement. And it does feel like it comes from a good place, I guess is the best thing I can think of. But I don't know. There's, there's that one part of me that's like, oh, yeah, but is there a weird implication to this? Again, I don't think it's ever malicious, but I do think it is complicated. I guess is the, the word I would use. I don't know. Did anyone else think about this while they were watching the movie?
1: Uh, no. 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 I did think, <laughs> I, I will admit, I was talking to a friend of mine about the fact that I was watching the movie. And she brought up uh, the, the, the thought occurred to her about how much the first movie is about um, colonialism. Colonialism. Sure. which kind of on the same level basically it's the idea that they're they're essentially stealing this land from the fantasy characters right and and forcing them out so that all the people can live there um, but that's kind of I mean it's like the driving force for what happens like Shrek wants to get them all out of the swamp they were all put in the swamp because of this thing yada yada and it's like a catalyst but that's really the only place where I feel like it it sits you know
0: yeah i'd agree i'm I'm running through because I hadn't like explicitly thought about it in that lens so I'm running through the rest of the movie to see if I can find like other places where it would come in and i don't i I think you're right that it's mainly and it that's the core of the movie right that's the inciting event but um right
1: but it's not like a theme. theme throughout
0: yeah exactly effectively. yeah whereas I think that the 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 kind of class struggle stuff is and certainly gets pulled on into like the second one where it's that notion of like I, yeah, for me, I think the thing is, I think that it ends up pointing to a lot of those ideas in an interesting way and with, like, an interesting, like, fantasy skinning. The hard thing is that the fantasy skinning, I think, comes with a bunch of other baggage that ends up leading to, like, implied connections that are, I don't I, I guess I will say, like many, uh, simplified metaphors, if you think too much about it, it breaks down, um, and it feels like the kind of thing where you're only supposed to think about it to, like, a medium point, and that it's more like, no. But the point is that Shrek's a good guy, and that you're wrong for judging him by, like, what he looks like or the stories that you've heard. But I thought it was interesting. It was it was a lens that I had never actually, like, actively examined the film with before. Um,
2: you don't say. Yeah.
0: So. But yeah. Anyway, so that was, if anyone was curious, that was my takeaway vis-a-vis Mike Myers' class struggle comment. I think he's absolutely spot on, and I think that the whole thing works really well, as long as you only think about it, like, so far. And if you go beyond that, I think it starts to draw some kind of questionable parallels.
2: <laughs> well, all right, then.
0: Oh, similar thing. I think the second one starts getting into, like, I. the second one's got an awful lot of, like, cross-dressing jokes that I do not think hold up. I I know that was considered... Real funny in the early two thousands. I someone I'm sure feels. I hope someone feels awkward about those today. I guess that's the best thing I can say. <laughs> I hope
2: probably not. Yeah, I I, I doubt yeah. people feel bad about it.
1: The the unfortunate probable truth. Yeah,
2: I mean, Toy Story three ends with like, not to get too far away from this, but Toy Story three like literally ends with uh, a really unfortunate joke about Ken's sexuality.
1: Mm. Yeah, I remember that.
2: It's, like, super uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, I mean... For me, a gay person. It's, a. Uh, it's... I feel like the animation industry is, like, even less diverse than the rest of Hollywood. Probably. Like, I feel like every director I actually encounter who works on these movies is a white guy and occasionally a white woman. And that's, like, kind of it. I Honestly,
0: I... I... Take your word for it, because I don't know what a lot of directors of animated movies look like. Now that I think about it, as soon as you said that, I was just like, "Oh, are my are the people who I can think of similar?" And I realized I don't really know what anybody looks like. I mean yeah, I, I, I will say, I don't about in
2: DreamWorks and Pixar. So you are thinking about like a Big Moon and an animated lamp, and uh, those are who direct movies, right? That's
1: that's what I mean. That's the to the point earlier that we think of studios when. Oh, well, I guess we said this off mic. But we yeah. think of studios when we think of animated movies. Anyway, the few directors that I can call to mind uh, are all white guys and a couple of white women. So, But,
0: but yeah, I, I would say of, of all the parts of, of Shrek and Shrek 2 that don't necessarily hold up, I think those those handful of, I think ultimately completely unnecessary throwaway gags, I think hold up the least well. Yeah. They're not central to anything, so I guess that's okay, but still. I think that's going to be it for, for Shrek and Trek II. Uh Next up, we are going to be moving on to our play episode with Wolf Among Us, uh, and then we're going to be circling round back to the read with the Bloody Chamber after that, uh, and then into the topic. So that's that's going to be the order for this one. It's going to be watch, play, read, so we can make sure that we can do the read episode with Cleo, who I know is very excited for Bloody Chamber. Uh, and then after that, we're going to be going into our very special uh, holiday episodes, um, which may or may not actually be holiday themed, but we'll be coming out during the holidays. We'll figure that out. We'll let you know as we, once, once we know. Um, or maybe, you know, when they happen. Who knows? Uh, until then, though, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Read, Watch, Play. If you want to help us out, the best thing you can do is tell a friend about the show. You can also rate and review the podcast on iTunes. If you want to find us on social media, you can follow us at RWP Podcast on Twitter and
2: like us at facebook.com slash RWP Podcast.